Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Ezra, chapter 3. Here's Pastor Ryan. Good evening. Good to be with you guys tonight. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to uh, Ezra chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. That's Ezra chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. And so, Father, we come before you again with thanksgiving and praise, Father, for all that you are and all that you've done in our lives. There is none like you. You are the one true living God. Lord, you sent rain today. You you are blessing us with water. And we all look to you for our food, for our provisions. Lord, all of it comes from you. And we're just so grateful tonight. As we study your word, Lord, we pray that you would open up our understanding, that Holy Spirit, you would minister to us. Father, pour out your grace. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. So, God's promise that he had promised to Jeremiah concerning his people has come true. God is merciful to his people, even though they had turned from him. They were humiliated for 70 years, and now he's brought them back. He's touched the heart of a pagan king to allow them to come back. And he made that edict that they would go back. And they went back and they, uh, in the seventh month, gathered together there in Jerusalem as one man. And they built an altar there at the spot where the temple used to be. It wasn't there anymore because the Babylonians had destroyed it. And so they built the altar. How they found the exact location I'm thinking it was the elders that were with them that were able to say, this is where the temple stood. This is where the altar was. And they built the altar and they began to give burnt offerings, peace offerings, all the offerings to the Lord to to atone for their sins. And so for the first time in 70 years, they're dealing with the sin issue. And so we know that's a picture of Jesus Christ, that we come to him and... He cleanses us of all of our sins if we repent and give our heart to him. And so that's that's what's taking place even before any foundation is laid. And so it's an exciting time because you can imagine being in captivity for so long and now actually having your place back. And they're there to rebuild the temple, but there's nothing there then. They just built the altar and they started uh, doing these offerings or unto the Lord. But also, um, not just the offerings, but they had the Feast of Tabernacle and started doing the feast. And so it's it's an exciting time, but it's also a dangerous time. It's a dangerous time because during those 70 years and even before that, uh, people from other countries who worshipped pagan idols and had pagan rituals came into the land and they were threatening these returnees. Uh, 
with their lives. And so it's a time where they're trusting in the Lord. It's a time that they're crying out to God to defend them. And that's really where we're at in our story. And it says here, now in the second month of the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, Joshua, the son of Josadak, and the rest of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all those who had come out of the captivity to Jerusalem, began work and appointed the Levites uh, from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Joshua with the sons and brothers, Cadmiel with the sons and the sons of Judah arose as one to oversee those working on the house of God, the sons of Henadad, with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. And so we're told that it was the second month of the second year of them returning to the land that the work of the temple was going to begin. Now, that would take you seven months after the building of the altar and them giving all of those offerings to the Lord and and uh, reestablishing the worship of the Lord. So they're worshiping the Lord on this altar and they had to wait uh, seven months before they can actually start building the foundation. And the reason for that was because they had to gather the funds from the people. As the people were gathering, they didn't have enough funds. They didn't have the materials. The materials had to be brought down uh, from Lebanon. We're told in verse 7 that the people provided money to the masons and the carpenters and food and drink and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre to bring cedar logs from Lebanon to the sea, to Joppa, according to the permission which they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. So they gathered the funds from the people. They also had to pay for the materials and bring them down from Lebanon. We know that historically, Sidon and Tyre, those people were known, Lebanon's known on their flag today for their cedar trees, those beautiful pine trees that are... uh strong and beautiful and they were known as people who were good woodworkers and so uh this is where the material materials were coming down and this is why they had to wait seven months before they can start building king solomon you know this you know when he built the original temple that's where all the wood came so the original temple had all of this beautiful woodwork this uh these cedar trees from lebanon And so in the fact that they had to wait, it speaks to my heart on how how it works with the Lord when it comes to our calling, how his provisions don't come all at once, as you noticed. I've been walking with Jesus for 24 years, and I remember before I was uh, uh, married to my wife, four years of of just being a young man and working... uh, a job trying to save money, trying to plan for a family. And then I married my wife and, and her and I, we, we didn't have any money. So most of the time we were trying to save, trying to get better work, trying to get more education, trying to make our lives work, but all the while working and walking with the Lord as he slowly but steadily 
would provide for our needs. It wasn't uh, all at once at all. It's, it's slow but steady when you walk with the Lord and it comes to his provisions. Slow and steady. I remember just buying our home, waiting for escrow, uh, waiting for our babies to be born. I mean, there's so much that we wait for, don't we? I mean, what are you waiting for today? What is it that you're praying about that God would provide and bless you with? Maybe it's a job opportunity or a ministry or whatever. You know your heart's desire. And I've learned over the years that he takes his time so that he can build our character. So that we can learn to trust him as we wait. We can learn to change our attitude and be humble and be meek and be content with the things that we have, as the Bible says, be content with your food and your clothing with, you know what I mean? And and that's what God desires for us, that we would have that kind of heart. And I've learned that the more he's taught me over the years to just trust him and wait for his provisions, they come. And the more I receive a heart of contentment from, from him, man, I'm able to rejoice in the little that I have. And then eventually God blesses with more. And then we're able to enjoy the more that he gives us and have a good heart about the blessings that he gives us. But if he gave it all to us in one big batch, I don't think it would do anything for our attitudes. Just make us spoiled brats. But I have learned that he takes his time. And so even with the building of this house, you know, we we were saving for a whole year trying to get a down payment so that we can get the loan. And then the bank came and said, you don't need a down payment. There's enough equity and land here. You're fine. And then to, to be able to give a huge uh, payment to bring the loan down and then and just trust the Lord for the renovations. And you've seen, you've looked around, you've seen a little bit here and a little bit there. That's really how God has been providing. And he does provide slowly but steady enough for you to be like yeah and excited about these little things and they're actually big things you know the popcorn ceilings being removed the floors being done nice lighting being put in paint and you know and there's more to come but God will provide for your needs if you walk with the Lord there's a lot of people who won't wait for his blessings won't wait for that ticket to be punched and they walk away from the Lord over uh, them not getting what they want when they want it. And the, the children of Israel here had to wait seven months before they laid the foundation down of the temple. But yet all the while, they're worshiping the Lord. And God wants to see if all the while, we're going to worship him as we wait for his provisions. Does that make sense? And so we read here that Zerubbabel, the leader, and uh, these Levites and priests, they they all got together here. There's three families that are mentioned. It says that the, the, they began the work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. And I like that, that they, they called the Levites that were of 20 years and older to work the house of the Lord. 20 years old is pretty young, wouldn't you think? In our, in our generation here. To see young men and women at that age serve the Lord is a sight to see. And the fact that it was 
that they're using, God has always used young people, and that we should get used to seeing the younger folks in our church serve the Lord. It is a blessing, and it is a blessing that we always didn't experience in our church. It just wasn't God's timing. We weren't big enough. There wasn't enough families. There weren't enough youth, but now there's so many youth, and now there's even uh, college-age kids where Man, we get to disciple them. They get to hang out. They get to learn about Jesus. They need to, they get to learn about work ethic and responsibilities. And so we're going to see more younger people serving. And I'm blessed, uh, at, at the ones that are already serving. And, and I can, I don't want to start naming, I'll name Brandon's in here. He's doing sound. Brandon, how old are you? He's 18 years old. You know, I think of, uh, Emma and Josiah are serving at their young age. I think of Lorena's children. I think of all the, you know, Nathan and uh, just other kids, Daniel, uh, just always serving. And we want, we're going to see more of that. that. I think that's where our church is heading, if you ask me. A lot more young people, you know, being examples for us on how to serve the Lord. It says, uh, Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct in love and spirit in faith in purity. Let no one despise your youth. That's what we should teach our kids. You can do all things through Christ if you just keep your eyes on the Lord, uh, seek his word, be humble, and serve him. He will, he will use you mightily. And so here they are. All of these These three families of Levites are mentioned here. Verse 10, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving Thanks to the Lord. And so it says here, when the builders laid the foundation. So the foundation is now being built. It's being laid down. It says that the priests stood in their apparel with their trumpets and, and the Levites and the, son, the sons of Asaph with symbols to praise the Lord. I love this. They were <clears throat> basically watching the building uh, happen. The foundation is being laid. The priests have their apparel on. They have their instruments, and so do the Levites. And they're just, you can picture the scene that they're standing at attention, ready to praise the Lord as they're watching the foundation being built. They're ready to go. And I feel like I've learned also over the years that God is a God who desires his children to prepare themselves like for everything that we're going to do, to be more Uh, prepared generally in all that we do, but especially in the worship of the Lord as the priests and the Levites are preparing themselves to sound off when the foundation is finally done. They're ready. And I wonder how many of us come into his house ready to praise the Lord, filled with anticipation, uh, you know, have everything ready to go so that when we come in, Man, all we can think about and all we can focus upon is, is upon giving God the glory, all the glory, and be, being ready when the, when the first 
uh, chord is, is strum. The first vocals are, are, are sung that we join in with the worship team and just sound off like people that were prepared to come and worship the Lord. And, and it's a, it's, you see that throughout scripture. Uh, there were, there's that King Jotham of Judah in Second Chronicles 27, verse 6. It said of him that because he prepared his ways before the Lord, his God, he was mighty. Because he prepared his ways. Growing up without a father, growing up without real structure, on my own in my teens, basically, uh, out of school, out of any other structure other than a gang. You know, it's like... I had to learn structure from the Lord. And we see through the Old Testament and the New. And I love all of the structure of the Old Testament and how everything was where it needed to be. God's a God of order, not disorder. And he's not the author of confusion. And so he desires that we as Christians truly be people that are prepared. Like tomorrow is Thursday. Are you prepared for Thursday? Are you already thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow and wake up early with the Lord and dedicate the day to the Lord? Prepare your heart before him and say, I have A, B, C, and D things to do, Lord. Help me to accomplish these things and to teach those lessons to our children. And then if we live lives like that, I'm sure that we will progress in all the things that God has us doing. Prepare better. You know, over the years, it's like, I remember in the early days when the church started, I, I, you know, didn't defend my, I didn't protect my Saturdays like I should. Sunday's a big day for a senior pastor. And so I kind of would, I, we get invited to things and we, we learning how to, have boundaries we would say yes to uh to things on saturday and and i have learned that it would just drain me take away from my preparation for sunday so i've learned to have boundaries in order to prepare my heart before the lord on saturdays i rarely do anything unless it's a funeral or a wedding i don't do birthday parties or baby showers i don't think any men should do baby showers actually (laughs) when did that happen it's got to be the end of the world. <laughs> but they, you know, to be prepared, to be ready. And I, we all have those, those days. We have little ones. We're fighting to get here, trying not to fight, of course. But I meant not fighting, but I meant struggling to get here. Should have ironed the shirt the date night before. Should have had everything ready. That's preparing. Bumping worship in the car, playing it loud, having your heart ready, having spent time with the Lord and had been still with Him. Then you come in here and you're able to just sound off loud and ready. And so they stood in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord, according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks. I like that, that they sang, they sang responsively. In other words, they saw the foundation of the temple being laid. And it blew their minds that finally they're going to have a place to worship the Lord again. Like to them, 
It was the biggest thing ever. We're going to have a place. We're not in Babylon no more. We didn't have to like find our own little spots here or there to worship the Lord. It's been a long time. And so when the foundation was down, they sang responsively. They responded to God's grace. They responded to God's mercy that his word and his promises came true and they're back in the land. It's responsive. Our worship is always responsive, or it should always be responsive. You're responding to what Jesus Christ has done for you in your life. He has saved us from the pit of hell, taking our sin upon himself on the cross, was was buried and resurrected on the third day for our justification. He's redeemed us. He's given us salvation. He's given us so much. We're not going to hell because of him. We're alive because of him. We have eternal life because of him. So our worship and our praise and our service to him is responsive. Why don't, why don't we want to sin anymore? Because his blood means something to us. And there are people who still want to sin because they ain't there yet. They still need to repent. Repent of what? Of, of Jesus not being your everything. I told a man recently, you have to love Jesus more than your children. That's what the Bible is talking about, loving God, more than anything. No matter what anybody does to us, it doesn't matter because God has never hurt us. He loves us. And if we love him more than anything, we won't sin against him. Our worship, our praise, our obedience, our servant, our service to him, it's all responsive. Why do you do the things you do, Paul the Apostle? Why do you give it all for God, Peter? Why, James and John, why would you guys give it all for Jesus? They would simply say, because he gave it all for us. And their, their, their gratitude caused them to respond with a life of obedience and holiness and purity. And they praised. These guys were blessed. They could have, they, they, they were blown away. We have a temple again. We're blown, they were blown away. It's responsive. John tells us in his epistle, 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, Christ died for you and I. So our praise is responsive. And there are a lot of people who claim they're believers or who are all, you know, expecting Christ to perform for them before they're going to think about serving him with purity and holiness and obedience. Really, the cross isn't enough for them. And that's a dangerous place to be. That's how the world lives and thinks. They will not follow Jesus. They will not follow our God because they still want to live for the self-life. But we have learned better. We have learned Christ. We love him because he first loved us. And we put him above everything. And, and, and the love for our children is quantified, innumerable because of our love for Christ. 
Our love for our spouses is quantified innumerable numbers because of our love for Christ. But those same loves for them, if they do not submit under the love of God, become the most demonic type of love this side of hell. If a mother loves her children so, so, so much, but does not love God, that becomes a very demonic kind of love. If we love our spouses so, so, so much, but don't love God above that, that becomes a very demonic love. I got to stop reading C.S. Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.